Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. Thank you so much if you're tuning into this episode. Again, just listening to this, sharing this with your friends means so much to me. I've received a ton of love about the first two episodes, a ton of advice, a ton of constructive criticism. All of that means so much to me. If you're just reaching out and letting me know that I'm killing it or letting me know that I need to do this better or letting me know that you want to hear this week to week, whatever it may be, just reach out to me. Let me know you're listening. Let me know what you guys want to hear. Let me know what you want me to focus on more, what you want me to steer away from because all that stuff really does matter to me and all that stuff is seriously helpful information that I can take away from each and every one of these pods. Um, I'm trying to do my best to learn and get better from every single week. So be sure to keep reaching out to me. Follow me on Instagram at professional sports talk. It's pretty easy to find. Make sure to reach out to me, make sure to share this to your friends. And once again, I just really do appreciate all the love I've gotten from the first two pods. So we're going to jump straight into the action that I saw from week two. We're going to recap a few of the games that really stood out to me. I'm going to try and go over this fairly quickly. I'm not going to try and dwindle too much on all of these because I want to jump into the action of next week. I want to jump into the action of week three. I want to make my predictions. I want to make my calls. I want to tell you guys what fantasy starts you should have, uh, what bets you should be taking, what bets you shouldn't be taking, and all that good stuff. Maybe just what to look forward to, what to look for for your favorite teams. So jumping straight into the week two recap, we got the Patriots at the Jets. Uh, This game was not much of a surprise, but it's really something that just stood out to me because Bill Belichick just continues to prove that he's the alpha dog among coaches in the NFL. He's not only a great game manager, but there's a reason why these inexperienced coaches and quarterbacks just never seem to do well well against him and that's because he just has such creative schemes he also has such an ability to manage the clock as i've said before his run games always seem to be decent and he always seems to use his running backs very well this year in particular he has a great running back room growing some guys you want want to be looking for in those running rooms is obviously damian harris is still a great rb2 uh flex option stuff like that but james white is also really emerging as a great ppr threat and someone you may want to have and stash on your bench if he's on your waiver wire it's definitely someone you want to look to pick up most likely he's not so if you took that risk of drafting him it's really looking like it's going to pay off for you and just stay patient stay stay on that board he's going to catch a ton of balls uh mac jones obviously clearly likes him and bill belichick has always loved james white he's going to keep getting that role that third down role he's going to kept keep catching a lot of passes out of this backfield so in ppr it's someone you really want to look out for moving on to the more real life aspects of this game Zach Wilson just looked confused as hell. He threw three terrible, terrible picks. Um, But there are still things to look forward to in this Jets offense. Corey Davis is still obviously the number one option in this wide receiver room. Zach Wilson clearly likes targeting him a lot. But in the same aspect, there's just not too much going in this offense right now. There's still a year or two years removed from having success. Uh, Still, there was some bright spots. The D-line flashed at some times. Uh, I would still have hope in this offense if you're a fan of the franchise. Just don't give up on Zach Wilson too fast. He's had a brutal, brutal, brutal couple weeks. Uh, This this Panthers defense looks really legit. This Patriots defense is always ready to play because of this Belichick scheme. 
and I believe he is facing, I'd have to double check, but I know he's facing another really tough offense. He's playing the Broncos this week. So again, just stay patient with him. He's obviously going to have a slow start to the season, but that's just more of a question of schedule. I'm not going to overanalyze this game too much. I just thought it was worth pointing out because we can't forget the tendencies here. The Patriots are still going to hang around because of Bill Belichick. James White's still going to be a PPR threat. And if you're a Corey Davis owner, just don't worry yet. He still has a lot of time to bloom. And this Zach Wilson offense only can go up from here because, again, they're just playing crazy defenses. Moving on to one of my favorite games in the week and obviously one that I was going to talk about because it's my Bears. Um, my Bears played just phenomenal defense against this Bengals offense. This Bengals offense was giving people's headaches for the past two weeks. But this Bears defense really looked a lot more like Vic Fangio's defense. All of our best players were being put in positions to succeed. Eddie Jackson played a lot better game. He still needs to fix up his tackling issues. There's a lot of times where he just puts his head down, throws his body out there, and doesn't wrap up really like he should. He kind of goes for the big hit when he's not the biggest guy. I just really don't think it's his game. Uh, there was a certain play where I can't remember who the receiver is right off top of my head, but it was a pretty bad. I think it was actually Jamar Chase, now that I think about it. Uh, Jamar Chase caught a ball pretty far down the field. He ended up returning it for a touchdown, and Eddie was completely playing the ball and not the receiver. Uh, got broken up, basically tackled his own player, and Chase was able to walk in for a touchdown. It's plays like that that you really just wouldn't see Eddie Jackson do in 2018. 2018 Eddie Jackson, he either makes that tackle or he catches that interception, but this form of Eddie Jackson kind of got somewhere in between regardless we're going to focus more on the positives this defensive scheme really looked to turn a corner it looked a lot more like Fangio's defense as I said um Roquan Smith really just had an excellent game because he was put in excellent game scripts he was put in excellent positions sir he made a couple great plays that sack was a great play by him that pick six was obviously an amazing play but think about it this way if he's not in a put in a position to be there, he's not making either of those plays. So I think a lot of credit has to be given to this defensive scheme. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the defensive coordinator right off the top of my head, but I know he is. Oh, is it Sean Desai? I believe it's Sean Desai. I can't, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I know he's a Fangio disciple and it looked a lot more like that defense. It was just amazing to see us like pretty much shut down this Bengals offense until the late third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, as far as fantasy implications of this game, it does hurt the Bears offense, especially their outside weapons. If Justin Fields is starting, I don't think he's ready to start in the NFL and you can see why I thought that on the, just based on game film last game, Justin didn't play a great game. I still think he has a very high rushing floor and I still think this offense's ceiling is overall probably a little higher with him, but regardless this this receiver these receivers values are going to go down a little bit until i see more from fields because we just don't know right now as far as the Bengals side of the ball t higgins is still the go-to slash the highest floor receiver of this offense um he is still probably getting the most targets in this offense he is still the biggest broadest target if that makes sense he's he's a guy who's physically big but he's also just He's been around there. Joe has clearly showed a connection with him. Sure, we see chemistry with him and Jamar Chase, but he's not getting nearly the volume that T. Higgins is. So T. Higgins is still someone you're going to be loving in this offense. If you took him and he's your wide receiver too, your flex play, you're still going to be liking that value 100%. And I just would stay patient with him. 
but overall, it was just a great game. It was really fun to watch, and it was really fun to watch that Bears defense fly all over the field like we had seen him a couple years ago. So it was great to see him in that form. Of course, moving on to another game that everyone was talking about this weekend, it's going to be the Raiders versus the Steelers. The Raiders are really making me look stupid. I really said in my first podcast they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think I projected them to go 6-2. and 11 if i'm not mistaken something around there uh it was just it's not looking like the best take right now because their defense like i said in my last pod they just have a ton of veterans they're very savvy and they know where to be at the right times even if they're not the best defense their players that they want to be put in positions to succeed are succeeding and this was very obvious against this steelers o-line who's still not looking good at all a lot of the stuff we were worried before the season is starting to shine through. Uh, Big Ben was just scrambling for his life. He didn't have a lot of time. Yannick Ngakwe and Max Cosby were getting tons of pressure. And sure, that can be because uh, Yannick and Max are a very good duo and they're a very underrated pass rush duo. But I think more importantly, it's because this Steelers O-line just has a ton of inexperienced players on it. And also because they just haven't been together very long beyond inexperience is a very new offensive line and I think a lot of the stuff again we were saying before the season started with the Steelers offensive line of why I didn't believe in them so much and why I thought they were going to regress really showed through uh Najee really just didn't have a whole lot of holes to run through their run game can't really get going which means their passing offense is still being forced to throw the ball a lot Big Ben is still being forced to throw the ball a lot and as far as the future of this team as this season goes on, that really scares the shit out of me. Mostly because of, well, one, Big Ben's health, Big Ben's arm. We know he had elbow issues in the past. And if he continues to throw the ball this often, if he can continues to have to throw the ball under pressure, if he continues to have to throw the ball and then take a hit, it's really just not a good look for this team in the long run. Um, I still wouldn't give up in a lot of their options, especially Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. Those are still great fantasy values and they're still going to see a shit ton of targets but the problem is if they can't get their run game going uh these teams are really just going to drop a shit ton of tb dbs back and play the pass hard and their pass rush is still going to be effective enough because they can lock down those receivers as well as this o-line just not playing well it's just not a very good look for this steelers team um so moving on oh before i i talk about the Raiders side of this that Najee stiff arm in the third in the first quarter I posted on my Instagram you guys might have seen it there that was just fucking nasty that was beautiful that was stuff that you put in a museum that was stuff you put in a poster that was just that was absolutely gorgeous and that's why we took Najee in our fantasy drafts because he caught that ball at the backfield it looked like it could have gone nowhere he stiff arms Jonathan Abram then falls forward for eight nine yards something like that and it was just gorgeous it was awesome um uh all I gotta say is that Najee you didn't have to do Abram like that that man got a family um yeah he he got a family that was just fucking that was crazy. That was a nasty stiff arm. Another thing I noticed about the Raiders is that Waller and Carr weren't directly in sync that game. Uh, Waller obviously got 19 targets in that Ravens game. He was a huge reason why they won. And if they're beating teams like this, they're beating teams like the Steelers with Derek Carr and Waller not being fully in sync. Wow. Just watch out for the Raiders. That's, that's just It's very impressive to me that they can do that. And you can take that as you wish. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe... 
um, you want to see Waller get more targets. But a lot of the times, these opportunities open for these receivers and this, these other tight ends because that defense was so focused on Waller. A particular play that stands out to me that I, I was really watching the film for and I actually watched a couple times over was that deep shot to Henry Ruggs. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick actually wasn't in terrible field position. He was just overcompensating covering Darren Waller and he had his eyes set on Darren Waller the whole time and Derek Carr made him pay for it. And it was just honestly really good execution by Derek Carr, but it was also just the defensive respect that they had for Darren Waller really opened up that play for Henry Ruggs to get downfield and catch that pass. So man, how about them Raiders? All I can say I'm looking wrong about them. We'll see how they finish up the year. I don't think they're going to be um, a dangerous playoff team or anything, but they could certainly make a push for the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I also would be wrong about my take before the season, which is I'm fully okay with. I'm fully okay with admitting my mistakes. I think it takes a lot more bravery to admit that you're wrong than to stick to an opinion that's just bullshit. Moving on to another game that a lot of people are talking about this weekend, it's going to be the Panthers versus the Saints. And this was a game that I really didn't see coming. I really believed in the whole Jameis wagon. I really thought the Panthers just played a really shitty team in the Jets last week, and that's why their defense looks so dominant. But honestly, I don't think that's the case. I think this Panthers defense is just really good. I think they're really loaded. I think they, ha they don't have a whole lot of holes on their team. They've got great safety play with Jeremy Chin. They've got a great corner in Dante Jackson. They've Their front four in particular is just nasty. They have YouTube Gross Matos. Uh, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and then of course their linebackers, they have Hassan Reddick, Shaq Thompson. They just have a bunch of studs all over the ball, or sorry, excuse me, all over the field. And they're a really well-rounded rounded football team. Obviously their O-line still isn't playing that great, but if your receivers are that dynamic, they can get the separation to make Sam get the ball out quick and keep doing, keep playing the game he's playing, honestly, because he looks like a jimmy garoppolo type if you will he's not being asked to do too much he's just being asked to not lose them the game because these receivers and especially christian mccaffrey who's honestly probably their best receiver as a running back is just going to do his thing um and they're just going to make plays and make guys miss and get open um pretty quickly off the line of scrimmage then sam really doesn't have to do too much obviously against some of these better secondaries later in the year um they might have some hard times they might have a little bit of hiccups getting over that but i just don't see too many holes in this roster and if sam keeps playing just well enough they're gonna win a ton of games and they're gonna make a playoff push so this is another team i'm wrong about and again not afraid to admit this here uh some of the things i really noted about them was that so first thing of course the receivers played excellent excellent but jo uh joe judge's play calling was also excellent too he really knew how to manage the game he knew when to when to run clock he knew when to get up quick and also he knew how to it, it just looked like a great communication between coach and quarterback um it really looked like judge knew what sam needed to do and sam really what's the word he he uh he exploited that role very well and he lived up to what just what he needed to do and just enough um for them to really dominate the saints team who really couldn't get anything going because again this panthers defense is full of studs and i mean full of studs uh they've just really got great pressure 
Um, something I noticed shifting to the Saints side of the ball, the Saints' weaknesses uh, we mentioned before the season really started to show up. The receivers couldn't get a really like just couldn't get a lot of separation, and it was really hurting Jameis in the passing game. Um, another thing I really noticed about Jameis, it's similar to what Carson Wentz does. Uh, his pick was really really bad. Um, I can't remember if he had two or one picks, but he had one pick that was really, really ugly, and it looked like he was trying to out there. He was just trying to do too much. Uh, the opposite of what Sam Darnold's problem was, Jameis was not being the game manager that Sean Payton needed him to be, and he was trying to do too much for this team. I understand why you get put in that situation, because you want to look like the Mahomes, the Rodgers. You want to put that team on your back. You want to look like the hero of the day. But let's be honest, Jameis Winston just isn't there yet. Uh, a lot of that success he had in that Packers game was because of that game script that fell to him and because he wasn't asked to do too much. And in this game, I don't think he was necessarily asked to do too much, but he took it on his own to do it. And I think it really caused a lot of struggles for him. Last game of the week that we're going to go over quickly is the Rams versus the Colts. This was an awesome fucking game. Um, one thing I will say about both of these teams is they both look incredibly well coached. Uh, just great play calling. Um, both of their run games couldn't really get going, but it didn't really matter because of how well their defense just contained both their offenses and also how well these quarterbacks managed that game. I was really impressed from what I saw from Carson Wentz. And touching on that Jameis Winston hero ball, Carson Wentz did something very similar. Carson Wentz tried to do too much, contorted his body while Aaron Donald was... Whoa, I could not get that word out. Sorry about that, guys. Aaron Donald was falling on him. He was wrapped around his body. And Carson tried to do too much. He tried to get a ball out. And now he sprained both of his ankles because of it. Carson has that problem. We've seen this time and time again. He doesn't know when a play is over he doesn't know when to live for another down and he doesn't know when to give up it's great to see this because it's encouraging from a heart standpoint he clearly cares so much about this sport he clearly wants to put this team on his back similarly to Jameis his commitment is there but the reason why Brady never gets injured and the reason why Brady's so great is because he knows how to live another down and he knows when a play is just dead and Carson needs to learn that if he's really going to see success in this offense and stay healthy. Um, and other than that, I guess the Rams are just going to be really damn hard to stop. Uh, the Rams offense is just high flying. Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford, if you paired those guys in fantasy, you are sleeping well these nights. Uh, I took Robert Woods over Cooper Cup in a ton of my leagues, and I'm already getting burned for it. I already lost one of my matchups in one of my leagues directly because of that choice. And I'm not saying that Cooper, or excuse me, I'm not saying that Robert Woods isn't going to show up late in the year. I'm not saying that Robert Woods still isn't that consistent wide receiver two you're looking for, because I still think he has that opportunity. I still think there's more targets in this offense coming this way, especially as defenses try and take away Cooper Cup. But I think over the long haul, I think Cooper Cup is probably going to be a better option throughout the season. And I'm paying the price for that, as I said. I'm sure a lot of you guys are paying for the price for that. And if you're a Cooper Cup owner, again, you are sleeping well at night. I'm going to leave that there for the week two recaps. Because again, I want this pod to be a little quicker. We're almost 20 minutes in already. And I have to go to class in about five minutes here where I'll pick up the pod after. 
So we're going to go over this first game of the week, and then I'm going to pause the pod, and then I'll come back for the Colts at the Titans. So the very first game of the week I'm going to be going over is the Panthers versus the Texans. Uh, this There's just not too much to say here. Honestly, there's really not. This Panthers defense is looking juiced up, as well as this coaching staff. As I've mentioned before, they're making great play calls. They're not asking Sam to do too much. Uh, the Texans just have a whole lot of holes in their offense, and this Panthers team does not. Um, in addition to that, Tyrod Taylor looks like he's going to be out this game. Looks like Davis Mills is going to get the start, who we've just seen nothing from. I think he has a lot of potential. He's a really smart kid. If I'm not mistaken, he went to Stanford, so that says enough about his intelligence. He's a really smart guy. I believe he can be good in the NFL, but there's a reason why he was taken in the third round. He's not NFL ready. A lot of guys know that. The Panthers are going to know that. The Panthers are going to confuse the shit out of them. The Panthers have a great defense. Uh, on this Texans team, you're going to want to sit everyone you can in fantasy. I know I was talking highly about Brandon Cooks last week, but that's because Tyrod was simply having a great connection with him. And Tyrod was also just, he was kind of cooking. I'm not going to lie. Tyrod looked pretty good. He, I'm not going to say, you know, he can carry this team into the playoffs or he can get them to a positive win, winning record or whatever. But like, let's be honest, let's, let's give him some respect. I'll just say that. Let's give Tyrod some respect. Uh, he was really making Cooks look a lot better in this offense and I don't think Davis Mills would be able to put that same ceiling for Cooks really again not too much to say we kind of know the Panthers are looking a lot better and the Texans stock is somehow going further down uh poor 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 Texans fans I really do feel bad for you Tyrod Taylor did look great anyways I'm predicting this final score to be 27 to 10 Panthers this is a new addition I'm going to have of every single week I'm going to try and predict that score and then i'll compare that to the spread after so the spread is that panthers are going to be favored by seven points so obviously that covers panthers win and cover uh that is a bet that i would take this week because there's a lot of bets that i'm not too comfortable about this week and this is definitely one that i'm more comfortable with anyways guys i'm going to pick this up in about an hour and a half uh you guys won't even know it but it's going to cut right here and i'll see you guys then peace all right, everyone, I'm back from my class. We're going to jump straight into the next game. The next game we have up is going to be the Colts at the Titans. The Titans are favored by five points in this game. And although we don't know about Carson Wentz's health, we know he has two ankle sprains he's dealing with right now. This is still a bet I wouldn't touch. These divisional rivalry games, these in-conference games, these, uh, not, not in-conference, divisional, I meant that the first time. <laughs> They're, they always seem to be really close. These teams know each other very well. Obviously, they play each other twice a year. Um, they have different personnel every single year. You can't expect the same outcome, but still, these teams know each other very well. And as I've said earlier, the, Coats, the Colts, the Colts are still a very well-coached team. They can still manage the clock really well, and they can still, I'm still believing in their offensive line and their run game in general. We haven't seen too many great things from them, but again, they've had two hard matchups, and also, they're just trying to get themselves healthy, and they're just trying to get their, their, their sea legs i guess they're really just trying to get themselves going they're really just it's just brutal to start a schedule off this way they've had three hard really hard games in a row well this will be the third really hard game in a row i don't think they're going to win this game by any stretch of the imagine or excuse me i don't think they're going to win this game but i do think it'll be closer than people will think i do think there's a lot of betters that'll take these odds just because carson wentz is out even then though my final score prediction is 23 to 17 titans that only leaves a one point margin for error in terms of the spread so this isn't really a game i'd go near um 
excuse me, I still think it's going to be a lot closer than it thinks. Um, not too much to say here. We really know what to expect from these teams. You're, you know who you're going to start in fantasy for both of these teams. Uh, the receivers for the Colts side, I would really stay away from. Obviously, you're still going to want guys on the waiver wire like Michael Pittman. You're still going to want to pick him up for that upside and for that usage that Carson's been giving him. But let's be realistic here. This backup situation is not looking very good in Indy. And I don't know how these receivers are going to produce. Jonathan Taylor is still someone you're going to start. And as far as the Titans side of the ball, it's very lopsided. You know who you're going to start. You're going to start AJ Brown. You're going to start Julio. You're going to start Derrick Henry. You're going to start Tannehill. But don't expect too crazy big of numbers from this game. Because again, the Colts are well coached. They have good enough defensive personnel to slow down this Titans offense. And I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Not going to say too much about that game there just because I don't think there's too much to be said. I think the Titans are going to win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Moving on to the next game, we have the Falcons at the Giants. Uh, the G-Men are favored by, the men in blue are favored by three points in this game. Uh, this is a lot more comfortable of a bet, in my opinion, than the last game. I think the Giants, their weapons just look crazy good. Think about it this way. If Sterling Shepard and if Darius Slayton are really making flashy plays, they're really popping off the screen, especially against a tough Washington team last week, let's just wait for you know, guys like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, and Saquon Barkley to show up because I, I think as this season progresses and they really get used to this scheme, they also really get used to their quarterback play as Daniel Jones just gets more comfortable with them as well. And as Saquon gets more healthy as the season goes, I really think those guys are going to, their value is only going to increase uh, both on a field, but also in a fantasy perspective. So those those guys that I just mentioned, Galladay and Saquon, are guys you're going to want to be trading for. Kadarius Tony is most likely on your waiver wires, and that's for good good reason. He hasn't done, done anything yet. Until I see something from him, I wouldn't go near him. But my point is, guys like Galladay and guys like Saquon, their stock is very low. I would capitalize on that and try and make a trade for him. As far as what I'm worried about for the Giants, though, I'm still... I still am worried about their O-line, but they had some good moments against Washington, particularly late in that game. It was pretty clear Washington's front four doesn't have a whole lot of depth, and that really favored the Giants' hand, and the Giants, and in particular Daniel Jones, was getting a lot better protection in that game later in the game than I would have thought. The Falcons don't have much of a pass rush at all. Obviously, the Grady Jarrett's there, and he's going to be disruptive up the middle as much as he can be. But that's not enough to really throw uh, this Giants team off their pedestal, I guess. Not that they're really on a pedestal. They're 0-2. But you know what I mean. They, it's the Falcons. The Falcons are going to Falcons it. I just see too many holes in this roster. Especially if Matt Ryan continues to make the mistakes he's making and made the mistakes he made last week. This Giants defense is good enough that it'll capitalize on those mistakes. And I really think the Giants are going to win by more than three points here. I just... Again, there's there's a lot to like with the Giants. There's young talent and they're only getting better. Whereas there's a lot on the Falcons that I think they're, I don't think they're necessarily regressing, but I just don't see a lot of positivity coming out of this team. I really don't think this is going to be a very successful team. And I think this Giants team should have beaten that Washington football team last week. If Dexter Lawrence doesn't go off sides, they would have too. So I think they're a lot better than people are getting them credit for. Um, so yeah, just have future for this team. Uh, I'd say the one thing they really are lacking, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, obviously we know their O-line's not very good. Other than that, they're pretty 
stacked all the way around the board. They have great running backs. They have great receivers. We all know that. But I really need to see better safety play from them. Obviously, James Bradbury is a great corner they have there. Their linebackers are playing a little better with Blake Martinez, uh, you know, carrying the load. But I, I just need to see more edge play, I guess, because obviously they have Darius Leonard, but he's not really a true defensive end. Um, so I need to see more from that. And I also just need to see better safety play before I can really buy into this team. But still, if you're a Giants fan, you have a lot to be hopeful for. And I would take them this game. I think they're going to cover that spread. If I had to guess the final score for this game, it'd probably be around 24 to 17, something around there. Uh, I think the Falcons will put points on the board. I think they'll still be able to have a few opportunities for their big play guys, like their Kyle Pitts, like their Calvin Ridley. Look for Cordell Patterson to get involved in the red zone again. Another guy you're going to be wanting to be targeting on your waiver wire. So there's good value in this game for a lot of these guys. Even Mike Davis, he's catching. He's not necessarily outproducing Cordell Patterson, but he's catching a lot of passes. And in PPR, that's really, really uh, what you're looking for in, out of a out of a running back and obviously he hasn't been everything that maybe you expected him to be but if you're like me you really waited until later rounds anyways to take him so it's not that big of a deal if he's catching last week I believe he caught seven balls that gives him a great floor of seven points and if he can continues that through the year that's not terrible for what you drafted him for if you took my advice before the season because I wasn't that high on him I know a lot of other people were high on him some people even took him as high as like their RB3 or like a flex option which I I, that, I, that wasn't really my game he was more the first guy on my bench the second guy on my bench that type of scenario so I really like the value that he's pulling in because a lot of guys are really down on him but it doesn't really matter as long as he's catching those balls in PPR and has that high floor I think it's just good enough that you can keep him on your bench and keep him there for a good amount of the season moving on to the Chargers at the Chiefs this is just a bet I wouldn't touch either the Chiefs tend to be they really have a fire lit under them when they lose a game, especially because it's so rare under the Mahomes era that they always come back just swinging. They really put that chip on their shoulder, and they're really great in those scenarios. This is also a game, since it's in Kansas City, I think Justin Herbert is going to have a little bit of those, those problems he had last week. I really think this crowd is going to let him hear it, and I just didn't really like what I saw from the Chargers offense last week they just need to show me a little more in the ground game their running game isn't bad by any means and I love obviously I love the personnel they have there Austin Eckler is obviously one of my guys I've met him personally um uh I guess you could say friend of the show even though he probably doesn't know this show exists but he's a great player I admire the hell out of that dude uh he's not the problem he's catching plenty of balls at the backfield but at the same time, he's not the type of guy you want to be your every every down running back. He's no workhorse by any means is what I'm trying to say. And he can get some really solid runs, but it's more of like he's more of a what's the word I'm looking for? He's more of like that electric player that comes in that change of pace back. I think they need one more guy that can really take over on first and second downs and get them good chunk yardages. And I think that's also really important when fa facing Kansas City in particular, because if you're running the ball effectively, that's the best defense you can play against Kansas City. Because let's be honest, Kansas City's offense is just damn near unstoppable. So if you can force them off the field and force them to get their yards and their points in big plays, it's really going to be a lot more efficient for that team. And what I mean by that is that if you can keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, that's the best possible defense you can have. That's all I mean. So the problem is here is that one thing that the Chargers really struggled in last week was in the red zone. Uh, they really, they 
they just had a lot of field goals and they had a lot of, I'm, I believe if I'm not mistaken, um, Herbert had, I can't remember if it was one or two picks, but he had one pick. I know for sure that was in the red zone that just can't happen against a team like Kansas city. They're going to put up too many points on the board for you to do that stuff and expect to get away with it. Um, and that just won't beat Kansas city. You can't beat Kansas city. Even if you're not throwing those interceptions or not having those turnovers on the goal line, you need a score. You need six points. You need that extra point because field goals just isn't going to cut it. Like I've said, this Kansas city offense is just too explosive. And honestly, I think the chargers are going to lose by more than the spread in this game. If I had to guess on a score, I bet it'd be like 31 24, which obviously is only half a point over the spread. So again, this is just a bet I wouldn't touch because who knows? Again, it's these it's these interdivisional games that can really be competitive and really have a, just so many different outcomes because these teams know each other so well. So this isn't a bet I would touch, but again, if I had to take it, I would say 31 24 uh, Chiefs. Moving on to the next game, we have the Bengals at the Steelers. The Steelers are favored by four and a half points again. Uh, again, this is a more comfortable bet. I, this is a bet that if I had to put myself behind it, this would probably be one of them. Not saying that I bet on any one of these games because most of the time I don't. But if I had to, this would be, again, one that I'm more comfortable with. Um, I just really like the Steelers a lot against this Bengals offensive line in particular. Uh, the, the Steelers defense is still legit. Um, don't get, don't get it wrong. Yeah. They didn't look the best against that, their Raiders last week, but they were missing a lot of their key players and a lot of which are going to come back. I know Joe Hayden was out. I also know, uh, I'm forgetting his name. I, was it Stefan to One of their defensive linemen was out and obviously their defensive linemen are all freaking studs. So you need all of them. You can't, you can get, I believe Awalu Walu, if you pronounce his name like that, their nose tackles out for the season. So that really hurts. But regardless, they're going to get some of their personnel back. Uh, this Bengals team just really, really struggled to get anything going until the fourth quarter against this Bears defense. And honestly, I think the Steelers defense is just far better than that Bears defense. Uh, they're pretty similar in how they play, but it's just the Steelers have, we can't forget how good this defense is, is all I'm saying. And obviously the Bengals have been getting pretty good pressure and their front seven has looked a lot more stout than I think a lot of us would have expected dj readers playing great trey hendrickson's looking looking like a good free agent signing uh but if the steelers play their game right they can get the ball out quick enough and hopefully they can get their run game going because both of which will help Ben tremendously, not only stay upright, but also stay healthy throughout the season. Uh, I think Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris are just going to continue to feast in this offense. As I've said in a couple previous pods, those are really the guys you want to be targeting in this offense and fantasy. Uh, my bold take for this week is that I think both Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris are going to finish as a wide receiver one and a running back one or uh, respectively in fantasy football. The reason why I think that is because I think these are two of Ben's favorite targets. And I think in this particular game script, like I said earlier, he's going to be trying to get the ball out as fast as he can. He's going to try and avoid this pass rush. If the Steelers coaching staff, particularly Mike Tomlin really recognizes the thing is the, the best coaches, they know just as much what they're great at and just as much what their weakness is. I think Mike Tomlin's just too bright to be forcing Ben to hold on to the ball for too long and forcing the ball downfield. I think they're going to try and get the ball out of his hands quickly. I think they're going to try and establish the run game early. And I think from there, that's really going to help Ben flourish the rest of this game. Uh, again, this should be a fairly close game, closer than people think, because 
we're seeing a lot of these this week. This is another one of those divisional round games. If I had to pick a final score prediction, it'd be 24 to 17 Steelers. So that is, again, that covers the spread for them. And that is a more comfortable bet I'd be willing to take just because of what we've seen from this Steelers defense and also what I can expect to see from this Steelers offense in particular. Go Don- go Deontay Johnson and go Najee Harris. Those guys are going to feast this week. All right, moving on to my Bears at the Browns. Um, welcome to the NFL, Justin Fields. This is not the way that I think any of us expected it to happen. I don't think this is any of the way that... I don't think this is the way any of us fans wanted it to happen. You never want to see a quarterback go down with injury, particularly not in a situation where it doesn't necessarily look like Justin is ready to go. Uh, He still looks very raw. There's a reason why. Obviously, Matt Nagy, in a perfect world, wants to do what he did with Mahomes, and he wanted him to sit all year, and he wanted him to come out his sophomore year and just light up the league. Now he's being forced into a situation where he has to start, and I don't know if... Or actually, I guess I shouldn't say I don't know. I know this is not an ideal defense to start again. Cleveland has an excellent front seven. In particular, their two pass rushers are going to be getting after Justin Fields constantly this game. He's already showed a little problem with fumbling, so that really, really does worry me. Um, I really just can't expect a whole lot from this Bears offense this game, and that has nothing to do with Justin Fields' talent. It's more so the talent of the Cleveland Browns. Even if Baker Mayfield... Even if Baker Mayfield's a little beat up in this game, or maybe he doesn't play, I don't really think it matters. I believe Case Keenum's still there, and he can run this offense more than effectively enough. Uh, He took the Vikings to the uh, the NFC Championship in this very same exact scheme underneath Kevin Stefanski, who's obviously the head coach there now. So I don't think it changes too much of the game plan. Um, Again, it's just a really shitty way for Justin Fields to enter the league. It really is. Um... Granted, Cleveland's defense, uh, particularly their secondary and linebacker play, still has a lot to show us this game, or in general over the season, but I really think this is the game they will show out. I really think this is a game where you know guys like Greg Newsom II, uh, Denzel Ward, uh, who else is there? Grant Delpit is their backup safety, I believe. They still have Troy Hill, John Johnson. Those guys are going to show up to play, and I really think this is a great game for for them to do it. Uh, I also just want to touch on really quickly, my poor Bears have a fucking brutal schedule. Absolutely brutal. If Justin really has to start for the long haul for the rest of the year, um, when I just really looked back at their schedule, I could completely understand why Nagy wanted to sit him. And the thing is, before the season started, I was really one. Just put Justin out there. Let him experience these NFL defenses. Sure, he'll have some growing pains. Sure, he might not make the best decisions every now and then. But that's how you grow and blossom into a more mature and NFL-ready quarterback. I mean, look at Peyton Manning the first year he was in the league. He had more interceptions than he did touchdowns, and now he's one of the all-time greats, right? Well, the thing is, let me just read our schedule after this game. So we go, we have the Lions, and then we have the Raiders. The Raiders are looking a lot better than people thought, obviously. Brutal. Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens, Lions again, Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, and then close with the Vikings again. I mean, come on. Like, come on. You can argue every single one of those teams except the Lions, and maybe the Vikings are not going to make the playoffs. Those are the only two teams on there that you can realistically say, like, like even the Raiders have a shot of making the playoffs now. The Niners have a great shot of making the playoffs. The Steelers, the Ravens, the Cardinals look fly high right now. The 
Packers are obviously going to get back in their stride, and we don't play them for another three weeks, so they'll be in full effect by then. We play the Seahawks late in the season. The Giants, who someone I was just talking about to be excited about, we play them two weeks before the season closes. I mean, it is just brutal. It is just brutal. And as far as fantasy implications goes for this, it's just... Obviously, this Bears offense, you you can hope to see a little more open up in the run game because of what Justin threatens in that RPO game. And hopefully, Allen Robinson can match his production he was seeing with Andy because honestly, it wasn't as great as some people might have thought it was. So you might not see the biggest dip in these guys. But in this week in particular, you're probably going to have to start Robinson. But if you have Montgomery as uh, like a... Say you took him in the third round. Say you went running back running back running back and you have him right now in your flex sort of like me i've got that in a standard league going i would replace him especially in ppr leagues with someone like an antonio brown who we know i love that's he's i've been talking about him every single podcast he's he's efficient he gets a lot of targets tom brady loves him blah 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 we know the drill um but even like a marvin jones or a t higgins uh marvin jones is someone who trevor lawrence has shown time and time again he's still the wide receiver one in this offense he's still the alpha dog uh trevor lawrence is gonna throw uh eight targets or so his 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 way a game whoa sorry um and his floor is pretty damn high just because he is Let's be honest, he's a great contested catch receiver. Even if he doesn't have the best for separation, he can get up and get a ball. He's a great red zone target. And for all those reasons, I think that he's a better play over David Montgomery, particularly in half PPR and PPR scoring leagues. I think T. Higgins is a better start this week. I think in PPR, I think J.D. McKissick, I think James White. Um, even in full PPR, you might be able to pull off a Mike Davis here because he does have a decently favorable matchup. Uh, guys like that, I would be starting over David Montgomery. I just don't really see this as a game where David Montgomery succeeds because I think the Bears are going to be behind early and often, and I think that's going to throw force them to throw the ball a lot more. And we just haven't seen Montgomery catch that many balls. They like to bring in other backs when they're on third down and when they're in passing plays. So I don't expect too much production from any of the Bears this week, but in particular, if you have the option, I know it might not even be a possibility for a lot of you guys. I don't really think it's a possibility for myself and my standard league, for example, but if you have decent confidence in someone like I just mentioned, then feel free to uh, bench David Montgomery for this one week. I wouldn't expect that to be a continuous trend throughout the season, but again, this is not a positive game script for him at all, and I think you're going to want to stay away from him, unless he gets lucky and ends up in the end zone a couple times, but that's just, there's too much, there's too much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's too much uncertainty in that. So, I just talked about that game for a little too long, but it's okay. That's my bears. We're going to move on to the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. New England is favored by two and a half this game. This is a great game, and this is a game that I think a lot of betters aren't going to touch. This is a game that I don't think I'd want to go near, but it's very interesting, and there's a lot of storylines going on in this game that I really fucking love. The first of which being this matchup to watch in this matchup of the game, I really think is Jameis Winston's mind against Bill Belichick's defense. Um, the, Jameis is a guy who's known to be a little reckless with the football. He's known to take shots and Bill Belichick is known for his ability to confuse quarterbacks and also his ability to capitalize on offenses mistakes. So I think this plays pretty terribly into New Orleans hands. Um, and I really just, don't see this being a great 
great game for Jameis at all. Uh, we really saw last week the Saints receivers couldn't make a lot of separation. The Saints receivers, a lot of their problems we talked about before the season really shined through. And I think against a defense like New England's that's loaded with cornerbacks that has just not a lot of flaws around the board. I think this is a game where we're going to see these wide receivers get shut down. I think Alvin Kamara really gets going, and I think he has a much better week than he had last week. And I think he is really an X factor in this game to look out for as well. Obviously, you're never going to be sitting him in fantasy, but it was a really disappointing last week. As an Alvin Kamara owner myself, I know this. Um, so I expect a lot more from him this week. Um, I think if the run game can get going for the uh, Patriots, though, excuse me, it can get really ugly for the Saints because they just might not have the opportunity to get on the field. And Jameis might do what Jameis did last week. He might try to play some hero ball. He might make bad decisions trying to do play hero ball and honestly we just know a lot more about the patriots right now than the saints which is really funny to say because they both have brand new starting quarterbacks and a lot of their rosters are very similar but let's be honest we just mac jones is so much more of a game manager than Jameis winston and that has shown in just the small sample size that we have. And so because of those consistencies, we know at the Patriots and because of all the uncertainty with the saints, I'm going to take the Patriots here. I'm going to say it's a very low scoring game because I don't think either of these offenses are particularly electric. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the Patriots defensive scheme and their cornerbacks in particular are really going to slow down this saints offense. So give me the Patriots here, 20 to 14. Um, again, it's not one of the worst bets of the week, but it's also not one of the better ones. So take that as you will. Moving on to the Washington football team at the Buffalo Bills. Man, I this Buffalo team is just really confusing. It's just, it's so different from what we saw last year. Their defense is playing really, really well, and they played pretty great against the Dolphins. Obviously, that wasn't entirely because they have this world-beating defense. It was it, A good majority of it is because Tua went down so early, and the Dolphins made a shit ton of mistakes, and they just... Really, the game got away from them before it could really get going. So I, it was just a very deceiving win is what I have here in my notes. The 35-0 doesn't really tell the whole story. Uh, but regardless, Buffalo's offense is still, particularly their passing offense, which I would have never guessed in a million years, is still not looking like it's in its full stride. It's so funny because, you know, last season they didn't have a proper offseason. They just got Stephon Diggs, and they came out firing, clicking on all cylinders, uh, just connecting on all the deep balls. St Stefan really looked like the best, if probably the best receiver in the league, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, he led the league in a ton of different categories. So good for Stefan, good for Josh. Obviously, Josh got the bag this offseason. But it just doesn't really look like the electric passing offense that it was last year, at least not yet. I'm not saying that it won't get there because I completely think it will. But something to really, you know, look positively in this game look at positively excuse me was the running game the running game looked fucking awesome buffalo had no running game last week and devin singletary was carving them up it was really really cool and once this connection to allen and Diggs and cole beasley gets going this offense if they can continue to run the ball the way they have it's going to be dynamic and just wait just wait for that to happen i really think it's going to happen later in the year i don't know when this could be the game where they just explode and who knows? Who knows? Maybe my take on the final score just looks completely retarded. And maybe I shouldn't say that. That was, I should probably avoid that word. Maybe my take will look completely stupid. Um, excuse me if I offended anyone. <laughs> um, 
But I still think Washington's going to cover this game. I think Taylor Heineke is giving this team some juice right now. Uh, I just haven't quite seen enough from this Buffalo Bills offense. And I still think this Washington defense can, you know, really be effective when they need to be. I still think they can run the ball well enough to keep Buffalo off the field. So I think Buffalo is going to need big chunk plays like they didn't like they had last week, but in much different ways. I think they're going to need to do it more through the air and less through the ground. Anyways, I'm rambling a little bit here. My final score prediction is going to be 27 to 20 Bills. So that leaves Washington covering. Again, this is another one of those sketchier bets, not one of the ones I'd go near. Um, I would much rather take the New England bet over this one. Uh, I think that's enough said about that that matchup. Just keep waiting for this Josh Allen pass offense to just blow up, and this might very well very well be the week they do. So stay away from that spread. Or maybe if you feel really confident that it's going to blow up this week, hop on that spread. I don't know. All power to you. I'm just, this is just my, my two cents. You don't have to listen to shit I'm saying. Anyways, moving on to the Cardinals at the Jaguars. Uh, there's not too much to say here. Uh, this is a fairly lopsided matchup. One thing I'll say right off the bat is go to your goddamn waiver wires and pick up Rondale Moore. He's a guy that I drafted in a few of my leagues, and I'm feeling really smart right now. Um, I'm feeling really great. I watched that Brett Coleman breakdown video. Uh, yeah, it's just he's electric. Him and Kyler really seem to have a great uh, chemistry. He's getting a ton of targets. It's just awesome to see a receiver this young and coming off of injury and being doubted a lot in the draft process, falling all the way to the second round, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was the late second round. Uh, just to ball immediately and have an impact pretty much right away in the league. It's just totally, totally awesome to see. Um, but again, not too much to say here. Jaguars are still figuring out their identity. They still got a shit ton of question marks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is still the future trevor lawrence is not someone that we can just write off trevor lawrence is going to have a great career but it's not quite there yet there's just there's just a lot of questions on this roster and we've seen a ton from the cardinals already and they just have far less question marks so not going into too big too much detail in this one not going into too much depth uh give me the cardinals 30 to 17 here into cover and that is a bet i'm feeling much more comfortable about Moving on to the Jets at the Broncos. Uh, poor Zach Wilson. Like, this is just brutal, man. You, you got to go from New England week one, right? Or, excuse me. No, it was Carolina week one. You got to go from, from to Carolina week one, who a lot of us thought, oh, man, like, the Jets just look awful. Like, uh, Carolina's defense looks so good because, you know, the Jets' offense is just so shit. But that's really not the case. Carolina really does have a great defense going on here. They've got a lot of studs on that team. And a lot of the mistakes Zach Wilson made in that first week were not entirely his fault. There was a lot that he couldn't help. There was pressure getting to him all the time. Uh, there was great linebacker play, great secondary play, just a lot of things that he could not control. But last week against New England, there were a lot of things he could have controlled. There was a lot of balls that he shouldn't have thrown. There was a lot of looks that he thought he had that he really didn't. Anyways, the point I'm getting to is to go from Carolina to New England to now Denver in Denver is just like, I, I, there's, is there really a worse way to start your NFL career with those three games? Like that is just so shitty. Have patience with him. Jets fans. He's not going to look very good at the beginning of the season here. I don't know what the rest of your season's schedule is like, but hopefully it gets better from here so he can, you know, really show you what to look forward to. Anyways. 
jumping on the Broncos side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater is playing fucking great football. He's not caught, not making many mistakes as we expected, but what we didn't expect is he's actually making a lot of splash plays. He's really making his receivers even better, which I really wouldn't have thought. I would have thought this receiver's elevated his game, but it's kind of going the contrary, especially with Jerry Judy out. You saw a guy like Corton Sutton blow up last week, which I wouldn't say I called out, but I definitely said to look out for him, and it it worked out tremendously. That was that was that was a great call. Uh, it it really is cool to see this Broncos team get going, and it really is cool just in general to see this AFC West just fucking rolling. AFC West, NFC West, looking fucking great. Anyways, um, one thing I do have noted about the Broncos is that obviously their receivers are loaded and their defense continues to show up. And I think their defense really is going to get better as the year goes on, which is just crazy to think about because they've got a ton of studs in that side of the ball. At this pace, they're set for a playoff berth. And honestly, I hope they get it. That'd be awesome for them. They'd prove me wrong. Again, I have no problem admitting that I was wrong on my evaluations on teams, my evaluations on players. Um, I just think it'd be freaking super dope for that fan base super dope for this team super super dope for teddy bridgewater very hard to root against that guy and yeah that'd be fucking awesome moving on to the dolphins at the raiders uh this is again just a great game for the raiders and a great way to start the season i mean are you kidding me the raiders are about to start three and oh i don't want to jinx them or anything but i really think they are going to win this game and i really think they are going to win this game by more than four points uh, this is mostly due to, first off, this is a revenge game for the Raiders. I don't know if you guys remember that game last year where Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick made a miraculous throw while getting his face mask pulled, and they ended up winning that game off of a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Miles Gaskin went absolutely berserk that game. Uh, burned me. He was on my bench. Not the point. My point is, this is a revenge game for the Raiders. They're not going to forget about this. Derek Carr is playing at MVP level right now, and I'm not exaggerating by that. It's only two weeks in the season, so who the hell knows uh, what the hell is going to happen for the rest of the year. But he's playing out of his goddamn mind, and he's facilitating the ball to a ton of different receivers. Obviously, it was a lot of Waller week one, but as I've said earlier, he's really uh, dispersing the ball really well and using defense's respect for Waller to get other guys open, which I think is just phenomenal. Um, Obviously, their running backs are pretty beat up. I think Kenyon Drake is full go, but Josh Jacobs still has a little bit of an injury there. I don't think that's going to affect their game plan too much. They're not a great running team anyways, and Derek Carr is just slanging that thing great. Uh, Another reason why I would take the spread for the Raiders here is because, first off, it's only at four points, which I think might change. I don't know if this is outdated. I'm assuming... This is after the Tua injury and taking that into account because this, I believe this article by CBS Sports was posted on Monday. I don't know. I could go back and look at that. Um, but either way, if Tua's hurt and if, I don't know if what his health is. I don't know if he's day-to-day. I don't know if he's week-to-week. Regardless, if Tua's hurt, that's not a good thing. Um, it doesn't matter what the severity of it is. It's just not a good thing. And I haven't seen a lot from this Miami team Uh Obviously, they were extremely close to the Patriots last week, but I think a lot of that was due to their defense playing really well and uh, just playing against a rookie quarterback. Um, I think the Ra- this Raiders team is just so full of confidence that I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think it's going to be low scoring like that. And again, if their offense just can't keep the Raiders offense off the field, it's not going to matter. This Raiders team is going to dice them up. So give me the Raiders here. If I had to take a final score prediction, it'd probably be around 24 to 17, something around that range, maybe 21 um or maybe sorry excuse me maybe 28 21 something like that um but either way raiders cover give me the raiders there 
Moving on to the Seahawks at the Vikings. Uh, this is a game that I feel like happens all the fucking time, and they always play each other super, super well. Um, both these teams always show up to play. Uh, it's really crazy to me because the Vikings are 0-2 right now, and they deserve to lose that first game against Cincinnati, but they were so close to beating Arizona last week. They totally should have won that game if they didn't miss that extra kick, and I hope you guys can't hear the siren in the background right now. So I'm gonna pause this really quick and let this pass. All right, it passed, we got my window closed, we're all good. We were at Seahawks and Vikings, that's right. So as I said before, there's always great games between these two. These guys tend to play the, each other really well and the Vikings looked great last week. Their offense, it was it was just so incredible to see. One thing I really noticed and it's really stood out to me is that first week against the Bengals, the Vikings just completely shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again with terrible penalties, terrible offensive line play. And honestly, they played great last week. I wouldn't say that it was perfect, but the thing is, is that their first penalty of the entire game wasn't until the third quarter. That speaks a lot of Mike Zimmer and that coaching staff getting their guys ready to play and making sure that they are not making the same mistakes twice. It was honestly just great to see. And as a Bears fan, it kind of scared the shit out of me because that's kind of the thing you're hoping for when you're playing against the Vikings is that they can just get penalty after penalty after penalty and your team can just sit back and enjoy as they move backwards instead of forwards. Regardless, um, this is a game that I would not go close to. I would not touch betting this game. These Again, these teams always play each other hard. This Vikings team probably does not deserve to be 0-2, and I know they feel that way. They're going to be hungry as hell to win this game. And this Seahawks team just had their hearts snatched out of them with that comeback over t the Titans last week. So these are going to be two very emotional teams. Uh, it's in Minnesota, so that does make a little bit of a difference. Seattle's a team that travels very well, though, so... Does it really make a difference? I don't know. Uh, again, could definitely see a number of different things happening here. I think Russ is going to continue to feast, continue to cook, and his receivers are going to... Well, if Russ is cooking, then I guess his receivers are the one feasting, you know? So he's going to cook up the meals. His receivers are going to eat the, that shit up. DK, Tyler Lockett, keep that shit firing. Uh, this Viking secondary is still very meh, and they just got diced up last game by Kyler Murray, who is very similar to a man named Russell Wilson. I think Dalvin Cook is also going to cook. Ha. Um, similar to Derrick Henry last week, I think it's going to be a similar game script. I think the Vikings are going to try to keep this Seahawks defense, or excuse me, keep this Seahawks offense drinking Gatorade on the sidelines. I think they're going to feed the rock to Dalvin quite a few times if he's all good to go. I know he was dealing with a little bit of injuries last week, but obviously he had that ACL. When was that? Like three years ago at this point, but Dalvin's not really a guy who's he's pretty consistent. He never he doesn't really get injured, and when he does, he seems to be pretty good for the next week, if not just misses a week or so. Um, so I wouldn't worry about him too much. I think this is going to be a very high scoring game simply because I don't trust either of these secondaries and both all these receivers, uh, four dynamic, dynamic, dynamic receivers in this game. I think they're just going to light it up. And I think both of these offenses are going to have just a ridiculous amount of yards by the time it's all said and done. But this brings me down to my final score predictions. So this might surprise some of you guys. I have the Vikings squeaking it out 27 to 26. It was so close. I had to make it a one score game. Uh, I believe the, I didn't even put who's favored here. I just put the odds. I put minus one and a half. I think the Seahawks are favored by one, minus one and a half. I could be wrong by that. But either way, 
um, that has the spread, you know, the Vikings covering that spread. You get my point. Close-ass game. Close-ass game. Going to be a great game. Going to be a game to look out for this week for sure. Another game to look out for this week, I think it's probably the game of the week, and it's probably the NFC Championship game. Uh, it's a preview of the NFC Championship game, excuse me, um, is the Bucks versus the Rams. This is just another bet. I would not go near this bet. I would not touch this spread. I would not touch the over-under. There's just so many different things that could happen here, and I think it's just going to be so damn close. I really think it's going to be one of those games where uh, the last team who has the ball wins the game or the last or the team to make, you know, that clutch defensive stop, either a great pass breakup, a, a tackle for loss, uh, an interception, a sack, something like that is going to win this game. So I think it's going to be so damn close. I really do. Um, even though the Rams are favored, that really surprised me. I, I was surprised. I know it's in L.A., uh, but the Rams are favored by two points right now, according to CBS Sports. So. I don't know. I don't know, Bucks fans. You might wanna you might wanna do something about that. That's all I'm saying. Um, with that being said, I'm not going against Brady. Um, they haven't played their best ball yet, similar to last year uh, when they lost to the Rams. Um, it was it was a similar thing. They're not in their full stride, but again, they've had a proper off season this time. Tom Brady's still looking very sharp. Uh, him and Gronk still have that chemistry that just. It, it never goes away. I, I don't understand it. Gronk looks like he's running in fucking mud, and yet sometimes... Sorry, my dad walked in. had to talk to him really quick. Anyways, Gronk looks like he's running in fucking mud all the time, but it doesn't matter because they're, they're just... They're timing their ability to know where, what's open on the field, uh, just their knowledge together, their feeling they have with each other is just amazing. Anyways, this is not a Brady-Gronk podcast. We're gonna... This is gonna be a crazy high-scoring game. This is just... There's so much bullshit that could happen here. And I really think the key to winning, and I think the key for Tampa Bay to win, is their run game. I think if they can get their run game going and keep the ran... I've said this time and time again on this pod, but it really is so important. If you can keep an opposing offense's team on the sideline from making big plays and from dicing you up, and you really control the tempo of the game... Again, this is what makes all these great coaches so great, is that they know how to manage games. Guys like Belichick know how to do it. And now Brady's bringing this aspect to Tampa Bay where he knows he needs a well-rounded offense in order to win a bunch of games. It's becoming more and more a passing league, but you still need that run game to establish that physicality, to establish uh, that ability to once again keep that offense on the sidelines. Uh, so I think the key to winning this game, again, is just Tampa Bay's run game. It's better than LA's run game right now. Uh, Daryl Henderson's fighting injury. Sonny Michelle hasn't really showed us a whole lot. And the Bucks. And to match with that, the Bucks' run defense is just better than the Bucks, or excuse me, than the Rams' run defense. And I think that's really gonna slow down that play action that Matt Stafford is really gonna rely on in this offense. I think it's just if you look at the matchups, that uh, you can say there's a lot of there's a few mismatchups between the Rams' receivers and some of the Bucks' corners, but. This Bucks front seven, we know how dominant they are, and we know how good they are at stopping the run. So this run game isn't really going to be a factor. And if this run game is not a factor, the play action won't be as effective, and vice versa. So give me the Rams, or excuse me, God damn it, give me the Bucks here to win this game. Uh, I think it's going to be thirty-one twenty-seven. Again, very high scoring game. Uh, gonna come down to it. It's really going to be an NFC Championship preview, and I'm calling that now. If I had to put my money on two teams, it'd be these two. Moving on to the Packers at the 49ers. What a game. Another just great game of the week. Another game that I think could go a lot of different directions. 
but it's still a bet I would take. I'm going to have to be honest. The Niners are favored by three and a half points here. Are you fucking kidding? I'm sorry. I, I know, I know, I know that the Niners have, particularly in their own field, have torched Aaron Rodgers three times, twice in recent times. I don't know, two, two or three times in recent memories. And that's for good reason. Um, they had great teams that year. All their running backs were healthy. Their running game was going tremendously well. Uh, they still had DeForest Buckner on that team to slow down Green Bay's run defense. They still had um, a lot of guys in their secondary they don't have currently. Um, so you kind of know where this is going. Uh, it's This is just not the same Niners team as that team that was beating the shit out of the Packers a couple years ago. Uh, this whole backfield is injured. As I mentioned earlier, that run game and um, two years ago was really getting going for him. But with this whole backfield being important, or excuse me, whoa, with this whole run game being very important and this whole backfield being injured, I really think this is just a bad game script for Jimmy Garoppolo. Similar to the, what I just said with the Rams, if their run game's not going, they're not going to be able to work off play action and they're not going to be able to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is really just getting into his stride as the season goes. I think he's going to get better and better and better every single week. Uh, we really saw a lot of the old Aaron Rodgers against the Lions on Monday night, even though we really didn't. One, one thing, this is completely different. One thing I want to say about that game is that Rodgers had like two or three Rodgers-like throws. The rest of them, it almost looked like Matt LaFleur was like managing him and not asking him to do too much. And that's why Aaron Jones just feasted in that game because it was all these little checkdowns and these dump offs. And then Aaron Jones, it is, uh, AJ33, if you want to call him. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I just fucking said that. I don't, no one calls him that. Um, anyways, Aaron Jones was doing really well because that's just, that's, that's Aaron Rodgers. That, that was the best way for them to win that game. And that was the best way that Matt LaFleur could have asked Aaron Rodgers to not do that much. But my point is, I think LaFleur is going to ask Aaron Rodgers to do more and more every single week. He's going to ask for a little more of that magic as he gets more and more comfortable, as he sees him really, what's the word I'm looking for? Get into his season stride because he clearly wasn't there week one, as we all know. Uh, he was busy playing with hacky sacks and enjoying Hawaii over the offseason, whatever the fuck he was doing. It doesn't matter. Um, my point is, Aaron's only getting better. This Niners team is already beat up, which is the biggest concern I had about them going into the season. And this defensive personnel is not the same defensive personnel that was giving the Packers headaches two years ago. So with all that being said, I'm going to take the Packers in this game to honestly comfortably win 28-20. to 20. Uh, this is a bet. Again, I'm all over. Uh, take the Packers. I It hates me. To, I don't want to say this. I really don't. Um, but as a Bears fan, as a... Aaron Rodgers, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say enthusiast, but it's like quite the opposite. I hate Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I, I love him at the same time because he's so talented and incredible at what he does. And he's just a god playing football. Um, yeah, whatever. You get my point. Get Take the Packers in this game. Moving on to the final game of the week. Uh, before we get into some fantasy implications and some fantasy waiver wire ads. Uh, we got the Eagles at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by th four points. Uh, the Cowboys are just a more complete team in this in this football game. I still don't really know what to expect from Philly. I still don't really... 
it's a team I probably should be paying more attention to and I probably should be watching more film of, but I'm just not, if I'm being honest, because I feel like this is a team that a lot of people are going to get excited about and then they're going to end up going 8-9 and nine and missing the playoffs. And we're going to say, what the hell do we do with the Eagles? Uh, we're going to say, I think Jalen Hurts is a baller. I really do. I really, really, really hope he succeeds and I'm kind of, I really hope I'm wrong about this, but I just don't know enough right now i guess i just i i need to see more that's all i'm saying i need to see more and the cowboys i do know a whole lot the cowboys running offense looked great against the chargers last week uh the cowboys have two elite weapons in cd lamb and amari cooper and dak prescott's continuing to play really well um on top of that running game getting better something i want to add is go pick up tony pollard uh tony pollard really really flashed in that game I'm an owner of Tony Pollard in my league where I also own Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm really looking, I I feel great about doing that. I really do. Even if I have to sit him on my bench, even if he's just there, if anything happens to Zeke, he is in media RB1. Um, He could even be an RB3 with Zeke still there just because the opportunity he's getting and also his explosiveness in his game. I really just love the way he plays. Uh, and you can, you can buy into all this, like, oh, he's the best running back there and blah, blah, blah. And maybe, maybe he's the best runner there. That doesn't mean he's the best running back there. Uh, Zeke is a great, uh, excuse me. Zeke is a great pass blocking back. He also can catch balls tremendously well, and he can still run the rock really well. So Pollard, I just don't like when people compare the two and they say one's better than the other. Who fucking cares? Who cares? They're they're gonna they're gonna split touches. Um, they're gonna get plenty of opportunity. They're both extremely talented. That's all that matters. They're both assets you want on your fantasy team. It just happens to be that Pollard is much more of a value because he's probably still on your waiver wires and you can go pick him up rather than Ezekiel Elliott who you took in the first round of your fantasy drafts. That's, that's the only difference. People are saying that Pollard's better because he's so much less known and he's so widely available and whatever, but it doesn't fucking matter is my point. It does not fucking matter. Anyways, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked with fantasy and all that good shit. Anyways, uh, so... One thing is I have noted is that the Cowboys are definitely a more complete team right now, as I kind of just alluded to. Uh, they may not have the defensive line of Philly, but their O-line looks healthy and looks good to go. Uh, Zach Martin looked great last week. Tyron Smith, as long as they can stay healthy, it's still, it's it's like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. They're just going to kind of cancel each other out, and I don't think Philly's D-line is going to have too much of an impact this game. Obviously, there's going to be moments where they flash. They're going to get some pass rush going. They're going to get uh, penetration in the run game, and they're going to be able to slow down the run at times, but it just doesn't really matter because of how good this, just how much less questions I have. A lot of these picks I pick off who am I more confident in? And right now I'm just more confident in the Cowboys. I just like what I've seen from them more. Again, maybe that's because I haven't been watching enough of the Eagles. And Philly fans, if you're listening to this, let me know why I'm sleeping on you guys. But give me the Cowboys here. Uh, they're favored by four points, and I think they're going to win by more than four points. My final score projection is 27-20 to 20 Cowboys. So that does it with the game picks today. Um, I really thought that I was going to have more waiver wire things to talk about, but now that I look at it, I kind of mentioned them all as I was going along. And I also had some fantasy implications as I was going along. 
Um, so you guys kind of know the deal. You guys already know who you're going to want to be starting. If you guys have more direct questions, feel free to reach out to me. If you have my number, just text me. If you got my Snapchat, Snapchat me. Um, if you don't got either one of those things, then you're probably not one of my homies. And then you can just DM me on Instagram. That's no problem at all. I'll get back to you. Um, I can't guarantee you I'll reach out to you within the next like 30 minutes or whatever, but I will reach out to you hopefully within the next hour. Uh, regardless, I'll reach out to you before you need to change your lineups and your fancy teams. You need to, uh, submit your bets, all that good stuff. So I'll try and reach out to you in time before that. Besides that, I think we covered everything here. And if you made it this far in the pod, you're fucking awesome. You're kick ass. Be sure to share this pod with your friends and family so they can be as awesome and kick ass as you. Uh, besides that, I'm going to get out of here. I got places to be. I got things to go to. I got to edit up this pod and release this shit on Spotify. So besides that, thank you guys so much for listening. I I once again, really appreciate all the support and peace out guys. Go bears. Have a good one.